In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One who gets us to the point of His story. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, well, this is an awkward gospel reading, isn't it? If you think back to the reading that we just read, uh, this parable that is called the parable of the wicked tenants, usually. This parable is one where we, we kind of wonder, well... Why, why, why this parable? Why, why now? Why are we reading this in church? What does this have to do with anything? What, what am I supposed to get out of this? I mean, basically, kind of what you're supposed to get out of this is that um, uh, Jesus is making the Pharisees mad by calling them out on the murderous intent of their hearts because he knows that they are going to try to kill him outside of the city on a cross in Golgotha. And to that, we all, since we are living in the time that we're living, and we're not living in the immediate time that Jesus was telling this parable, we all go, well, duh. Of course that's going to happen. That's Jesus' story. We know what Jesus' story is. And so you, you kind of wonder, why did Luke bother writing this story down. I mean, Luke's gospel was written at least 50 years after this happened. And so you kind of get the sense that most everybody who's hearing about this story has probably heard about this Jesus guy, and they probably know, oh, well, this Jesus guy, kind of the, the interesting thing about his big story is that, well, they kill him. And then he comes back to life, and that's why people are writing books about him. And, and so we go, okay, it, it makes sense for the people at the time. I'm not sure it makes sense for Luke. Uh, I'm not really even sure it makes sense for us today in the Christian church. Why are we reading this? Because uh, we know that this happens. We're heading into Holy Week. We know that this is kind of the arc of the story, that Jesus is born, and then he grows up, and he teaches some people some things, and they don't like the things that he's teaching them, and then they kill him, and then after they kill him, we eat chocolate bunnies and Easter eggs. Oh, and then he rises from the dead. That's why we eat the chocolate, right. And, and so you, you, you're kind of like, well, this story is sort of anticlimactic in a lot of ways. It, it's also kind of icky, you know. Um, uh, there's a lot of violence that's happening in this story. I don't know that we like violence ex unless it's on our TV screen. And so, so we, we get into this kind of, well, why, why is this story here? Why, why are we reading this? What is going on in this story that we're supposed to be paying attention to. Because it would be much easier to maybe read a different story. And in fact, that is something that happens in the rest of the world, uh, in, in, the, in many other church bodies. You see, uh, one of the things that we're trying to do in this sermon series that has been honestly a little bit more difficult than what I thought it would be uh, when we came up with the idea for the sermon series is to explain some of how we worship and why we do the things that we do. And one of the things that hopefully you've noticed that really just drives pretty much everything that we do in worship here is that the thing that drives our worship is the stuff that we read out of the Bible. And so the stuff that we read out of the Bible, um, uh, you kind of get a preview of, of what's going on in the prayer. 
And, and so um, that is supposed to be taken from the stuff that we're reading in the Bible. Then later on, when we get to the prayers of the church, that those things, those four prayers that are printed out before we get into the other prayers, that those things are, are each taken from the Old Testament and the Psalm and the Epistle and the Gospel, and, and that uh, they drive our worship and what we're doing here. And, and they, those readings, they all come from this thing called the lectionary. And the lectionary is this thing that is a, a listing of readings that we kind of take and are obedient to. And what I mean by that is that uh, somebody else writes the lectionary. Pastor Jay, during the week, is not in his study going, hmm, I wonder what we should read. Maybe we should read Luke 20 because Pastor Jay isn't that smart. Instead, Pastor, what Pastor Jay does is he, he takes this list of readings that we are given, uh, that, that we have agreed to read together in uh, our church body. And, and so uh, what we read together is, is uh, this reading from Luke 20. But there are other church bodies that saw the possibility of doing Luke 20, and they said, nah. And instead, what they are reading today is they are reading a beautiful story about this lady named Mary. And you know it's got to be good if there's a lady named Mary in it. And this lady named Mary, she comes to Jesus, and she's got a, a, a jar of very expensive perfume, and she breaks it, and she anoints Jesus' feet with it, and... The people that are all around are like, whoa, that's crazy because she spent a lot of money on it. And, oh, that's probably a little bit too much money. So we understand from that story, we, we kind of get the point of that story. We, we get, okay, so uh, when we read this gospel reading, what we're supposed to walk away from this reading with Mary and the perfume stuff is that, well, I am supposed to give Jesus... Something that is really expensive and risky. So, so that we walk away from that going, okay, so um, uh, she, she does something. She, she breaks a very expensive bottle of perfume at Jesus' feet, so that's something that's expensive. And she does it knowing that people are going to think, well, weirdly of her. And, well, that's risky. And so we walk away and we go, all right, so I know what to do with the rest of my uh, week this week. This week I'm supposed to do something that is expensive and risky for Jesus. Got it. Good. And then you look at Luke 20. And you look at Luke 20 and you go, what am I supposed to do with this? And, and, and so uh, we know it's a parable, and because it's a parable, we know that uh, a lot of times when we look at these parables, we can kind of see which one is our character, which one we're supposed to be. And so if you read the parable of the sower, you go, well, I, am I the seed or am I the sower or am I both? Is this weird? And, and so this one, you're looking at it and you're trying to find you, right? And, and so uh, you, you see the man who goes away and he lets out his vineyard to these wicked tenants. And you go, okay, the man, 
the man who's got the father, that, that's pretty apparent in this, okay, uh, so I'm probably not the man. All right, well then, I, I really don't want to be the wicked tenant, so we're just going to push that off for a while. Um, uh, maybe I am the people that are sent. But then you get a little bit further on and you go, well, the son shows up after the people that are first sent. So the son is Jesus. I can kind of get that, too. Uh, and so the people that are first sent, those are probably the prophets that came before Jesus. People like Isaiah, Jeremiah, John the Baptist, those kind of people. And so you go, well, I'm probably not the people that were sent. Well, And I know I'm not the son. <sighs> Does that mean that I'm the wicked tenant? Well, not directly. Because the wicked tenants are the people that take the son and they kill him outside of the vineyard. Which fits together pretty well with what Jesus was saying before when he looks off at Jerusalem from a distance earlier in the lectionary and he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets. And so we, we go, well... All right, so the people that are the tenants, well, that's probably not me either. Although they're probably the people that look the most like me. Hmm. And in fact, if you, if you look at the King James Version translation of this thing, they get called the wicked husbandmen. Which I'm sure that every husband in here is like, wicked husbandmen, great. I'm so glad they changed that name. And, and you, so you start going, okay, what's the point of this story? Why do we have this story? Because the whole point behind the lectionary is that what it's supposed to do is it's supposed to drive us to a theme. And, and so that's why there are selections from the Old Testament. That's why there's a selection from the psalm. That's why there's a selection from uh, one of the New Testament epistles. That's why there's the gospel reading, is that those things are all supposed to point us to a theme, and those themes last for a week. But then there's also kind of a bigger theme that lasts for the season. So there's kind of this theme for Lent. And then there's a bigger theme that lasts for the year. Which here at University Lutheran, that explains kind of why we do sermon series and why we have an annual focus. It's kind of reflecting that sense of the lectionary and, and what we do in the lectionary. And we understand, okay, there's supposed to be themes in this thing. And so what's the theme for today? The theme for today, if we look through all of these readings, is basically this. God is doing a new thing. So we see that first pop up, that exact phrase pop up in the reading from Isaiah when God says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. And then we see that again in the psalm when the, the people in the psalm are, are saying, well, we remember when God did great stuff, but then they're looking forward to a time when God will restore them and things will flow into their lives like water from the Negev. When people will go out with seeds and they will come home rejoicing because those seeds have produced so much. And then when 
Paul says, by the old standard of living, I am totally okay. But by the new standard, I understand that I can only be saved by Jesus Christ. And then we get to this weird reading from Luke 20, where we don't show up. And the way that it ends is Jesus gets killed. But that's the new thing. This is just setting us up for Holy Week. That the new thing isn't about us going out and doing something expensive and risky. That the new thing isn't about us doing the things that the Old Testament people of God did, which was mostly making sacrifices to God for their sins. So they were doing something expensive because those animals were like money. And they were doing something risky because by killing that animal, you were actually putting your livelihood in danger. They were doing something expensive and risky. But God is doing something new. And what God is doing that is new here is that God is killing his son. God is allowing his son to die upon the cross. And that's the new thing. Because all of a sudden, it's not about us doing something that is expensive and risky. It's about God doing something expensive and risky. That God is doing something ultimately, and I really mean ultimately, expensive. That he is paying for our sins with the most expensive thing that he has. The life of his son, Jesus Christ. And that in doing that, he is doing something ridiculously risky. And you know that it's ridiculously risky because You are the recipient of that risky move. Here's what God's risk is. God's risk is this. He says, well, I'm going to save them. And I'm going to take the risk that when I save them, that there's going to be fruit in the vineyard. I'm not going to require it. I'm not going to kill them if they don't have fruit. I'm just going to expect that it's going to be there. And that's going to be the risk that I take. And I'm going to take that risk by killing my son. And so God does something here that is expensive and risky. Because he loves you. Because he loves you enough to pay that price. Because he loves you enough to take a risk on you. And he knows deep down in his heart that so much of the time that his risk is not going to be rewarded. That you are not going to display the fruit in your life that he wants to see. But he says, I'm going to take the risk anyway. We have a God whose point is this. I died on the cross for you. And so the point of today 
is that God has done a new thing. He has died. Dare we say, in the midst of Lent, Alleluia. Amen.